Hello. Happy 4th of July. Y'all know Nate's birthday is July 13th, but my greatest hope for nine solid months was that he would be born on the 4th of July. Do y'all know that? (laughs) Have I told y'all that? No. (laughs) A lot of my close friends know this because I talked about it for nine months. (laughs) I had a whole plan. Not that anybody's ever listened to me when I made a plan, but I had a whole plan that was... July 3rd, Wiregrass has some fireworks that kind of set off. It's so fun. It's like a day before fireworks. We were going to go to those fireworks. Then we're going to wake up the next morning, go to the Temple Terrace Parade. We're going to have a great small town parade day. The heat and the walking was going to throw me into labor. I was going to like (laughs) casually ease on down to the hospital, you know, seeing, eating like a hot dog on the way. Um. And then Nate was going to be born around like, you know, 10, 11 that night to fireworks in the background and Ray Charles singing America the Beautiful. Like that was going to happen if I got to pick it. And I was like, I know it's a week early, but listen, nobody panic. This might could happen. It didn't happen, obviously. But a week later, when he came exactly on his due date at 9 a.m., which, you know, what baby does that? Um... My friend Stacy drew on a piece of paper fireworks and like music Aww. notes and and wrote like America the Beautiful and sent Aww. it to the hospital as my sister in law darted <laughs> off from church to the hospital. I was like, here, take her this. <laughs> I love America, guys. We are a big old mess, but I'm so excited for today's episode. <laughs> Welcome to Book Fair. We help thoughtful women find wholesome, life-affirming books for themselves and their families. Are you tired of picking up the latest new release and finding it full of junk you don't want in your life? You are in the right place. This show shares curated content and we do it together within a fun book-loving community. So pull up a chair at the table and join the feast. I was in a play in the sixth grade called The All-American Express. Ah. And I had a line. Do you want to hear it? Yes. Yeah. It's a quote from Arnold Toynbee. I had to look it up because I knew the line, but I didn't know the guy. He's a British philosopher. So this is somebody saying something about America. The line was, it's the first time I ever spoke into a microphone, y'all. It was a big moment for me. America's like a large, friendly dog in a small room. Every time it wags its tail, it knocks over a chair. So funny. (laughs) So as we thought today about how to compile a list of great American stories or stories that represented America, I thought about what a complicated story that is and how much there is in our little young country story. And I love to think, and we talk about this a lot on the podcast, that, you know, you can read biographies and you can read nonfiction and that is great. But I love what I learn through story, through a fiction story that is a snapshot. And so I'd love for us today to think of the stories that we're bringing as snapshots. This is not the full story. Each one that we are bringing is going to be missing some other perspective because we as Americans are wildly defensive and critical of our story. So if you listen and you think, 
Well, why did they bring that book? Or why didn't they bring that book? Girl, boy, whoever you are, tell us in the comments. Because you're right. It's not all of it. It's not going to be all of it. I mean, if y'all think the picture books episode was hard for me, this is hard. (laughs) So Trisha had the idea that we divide it up stories for everybody. So instead of this being stories that you might read, this is stories that anybody in your family or in your life might read. So we've divided it up by ages. So now we've made it even harder. Now yes. we have every age American stories. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a great way to do it. This is for everybody. And it's coming to you two weeks before July 4th. So you now have two weeks. You can go home today and put holds on your library, or if one of these sounds so amazing, you want to buy it, you have time to get it in hand before the week of July 4th and read it on your own or with your kids or with your family and have a literary July 4th. Start the season of freedom in your home. (laughs) (laughs) So our first section for our young readers or lap listeners are picture books. And we didn't cover any of these in our episode that Amanda and I did. So Amanda, would you like to begin with a pitch, an American picture book for young readers or listeners? Sure. Well, speaking of story, that's in the title of this one, The Fourth of July Story by Alice DeGleish. I probably did not say that correctly. Well, how perfect is that? The Fourth of July Story. I mean, come on. Yeah. And that this is the author that also wrote The Carriage of The Courage of Sarah Noble, The Bears on Hemlock Mountain, and other great books. So this is this is a great author. The illustrations are lovely. Oh, those are pretty. Very lovely. And it's it's just written as a story. It's got a good amount of text. Some some two-page spreads are only text and some two-page spreads are only pictures. So it is a picture book, but but there are a lot of words for picture book. Great one. All right. Peter Spire. Have you heard of him? Mm-hmm. S-P-I-E-R. Yeah. We the People, the Constitution of the United States of America. And I really love this author. He does his own illustrations. And in fact, a lot of his books are only pictures. Some of them, there's a great Noah's Ark from him that is... Only if I'm remembering correctly, there's no words. I love that book so much. I just love it. So the first part of this one has a lot of words. There's a few pages, but then it's almost like a comic book or graphic novel where it's all pictures. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's a whole bunch on one page, a lot of frames, and it takes you through the story. And then it has, it continues that with the words to the preamble of the Declaration of Independence. It's great. And then there's a lot of good information in the back, too. It's really great. He also has the Star-Spangled Banner, Erie Canal, other other books like that have to do with American history as well. He's a great author there. Those are my two books. Amazing. What you got, Trisha? So I have to credit... um, are my friend and history teacher guest Liza we have had on here before. Um, she sent me this book and it is adorable. It is called John, Paul, George, and Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and it is the story of five little lads before they became five really big founding fathers. Amazing. <laughs> 
And it's really fun. It kind of plays on, of course, the title makes it sound like it could be like Beatles related. And uh-huh. so it kind of has some nods to that and weaves in some humor and talks about our founding fathers as kids and then what they grew up to be. So it's super cute. Put it on hold at your library today. I love it. Okay, so I have a book we grabbed from the library a few years ago. I don't own this book, but for a library book that just dropped into my house at random, it has stayed in my heart. It's called Unspoken by Henry Cole. It has, if I'm remembering, not a single word in the book. Hmm. It is a picture book. It is a true picture book, Hmm. but you so clearly, the art is beautiful, you realize that this is the story of a snapshot of an underground railroad. A girl goes mm. out to the barn to grab something and she sees eyes looking in just eyes from behind. I think it's like a big pile of corn or something like that. And then, you know, you have all kinds of feelings of who is that? Does she know that her family does this? Or maybe the person is just running and hiding and they don't know that her family doesn't even know. But by the end of the book, she has decided, and this is all done through picture, she has decided to go get some food and just sit it in the barn and just go back away. And then you see a runaway on their way to freedom, hopefully come out, grab that food, be so grateful and relieved. This is all done with art and it is beautiful. Mm. And it's a great way to begin hard, true conversations with a book in the safety of your lap or your couch. So it's unspoken by Henry Cole. And I think it's wonderful that it's unspoken when there's no words in the book because this was quiet and secret. Yeah, that's very cool. So, moving up in age, a little bit of a chapter book. I'll go on and go. I have The Yearling by mm. Marjorie, Ra- Marjorie Rawling, which y'all know I read last year with Nate. And I love this book. I love the way our pioneer stories look different in each state. And so you can't yes. read just one. You have to read several of them to get. And there, this one is even a little bit later than pioneer the way we think of it. Like it would be later than a little house on the prairie pioneer story, but that's when Florida was being settled and, and they were just really way off back in the woods. So sometimes these stories will look like they happen at the same time, but America developed at all different rates. So the yearling is a great, how they lived before they have what they have now, what Florida looked like before Disney, what it looked like to be raised on a farm a second from starving with all of the loss that comes with that level of poverty. And so I love that book. It's a great one for young readers to begin experiencing hard things on pages so that they're ready for hard things in their life. And y'all know I want a pet deer so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It is a great book. It has funny parts. It has sad parts. It has parts that you just don't feel okay with. Why did that happen? And then it has parts that you say, well, that's really tough. I don't know what else they would have done. And yeah. so those are, that is, that is a great picture of the American story right there in Florida. One of my favorites. It is. 
And then I also have in that category, and maybe this would be a little bit older. I'm not sure. I read A Call of the Wild to Trenton when he was very young. I read it again this year when I wanted to do a few rereads. I remember mentioning I wanted to go back and do some rereads because I've never done it. That's one of the first I did because it's pretty short. And now I look at it and think there's so much depth in this book. But it takes place in Alaska and Canada. So it's gold rush time. So that's another picture of America, things that happen, the way it looked like. And while this is a story of a dog, not people, not founding fathers, not it does deal with the struggle of man's restless, wild nature. So the bigger meaning for an adult who's reading that is not just a story of a pet who becomes wild, which is what a kid's going to read. An adult is going to read, wow, we are all struggling with the rougher, wilder pieces of ourselves, and which will win. Both service at different times, but which will win. So you have to decide for yourself who needs to read that in your house. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Okay, Amanda, what do you have? All right. First, I have a couple that are maybe lesser known, but you can get them on Amazon and other places used. And and they're pretty low prices. They're not astronomical, but these are older. So James Daughter. Oh, I can never say his name. Okay, y'all help me say this. D-A-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y. Is that Daughtry? I think so. He's written Landing of the Pilgrims of Courage Undaunted, Across the Continent with Lewis and Clark, The Magna Carta, Poor Richard, Andy and the Lion. Um, Though he's a great, great author. He's got a lot of children's books. So this is lesser known. It's West of Boston, Yankee Rhymes and Doggerel. And I think... It's really helpful to learn a culture, whether it's your own in the past or a different part of the world, yeah. to learn their songs and rhymes and fables and legends. I think that really helps you get into the ethos of that culture. So that's kind of what this book is. It is a book of songs and nursery rhymes and things that children would sing and learn back at that time of our country's history. And some of these are songs that we still know, but some have kind of been lost. Yeah. So I really, I really enjoy this one. It's really fun. And the, the, he also illustrated this. So if you've ever read any of his picture books, he has really, really wonderful mm-hmm. illustrations that are very I've only read Andy and the Lion, but yeah, so yeah, pretty. Yeah. Yeah. So the <laughs> other one in this category that's, available. It's out there. You can find it used for not too much um, by C. Keith Wilbur, Picture Book of the Revolution's Privateers. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you know how we didn't have an, uh, a navy We didn't because we didn't have a country. <laughs> and the British Empire was the most powerful navy. So that was a big part of this battle. Washington paid money to create his own navy. It was pretty small, but that's what we had. And so we also asked private businesses slash kind of pirates to help us fight this battle on the seas. So this is a great big, it's like, I don't know, larger than eight and a half by 11-ish size. Mm -hmm. And these pages are chock full 
of what it was like to be a privateer. And there's words, there's pictures, there's how the boats were built, the different parts of the ship itself, how it worked, how they sailed, what life was like on the high seas at that time, chase decisions, navigation, identifying the enemy. Hmm. This is really great for your kids that want a deep dive in these kinds of things. It has this kind of illustrations where it's almost kind of technical. Oh, yeah. In a super, super approachable way. Yeah, it seems like that would be really great for a family of multiple ages. There would be something for everyone. Uh Like Uh the littles Uh could look at how they built the boats and see pictures of the pirates. And then, I mean, up through like high school, you could do a deep dive. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. It really is. It really is. I have to try and remember to put pictures of that on the Facebook group. If I forget, you guys tag me and remind me. So my last contribution to this is kind of a pairing of two different books about Paul Revere. One is this gorgeous picture book, Paul Revere's Ride. It is Longfellow's famous, famous classic poem that is worth memorizing. It's not the most historically accurate information about Paul Revere, but it is a classic. It's wonderful poetry. So this has gorgeous pictures to fit with this. Oh, wow. It's just beautiful, Mm -hmm. right? So to go along with that, we have America's Paul Revere written by Esther Forbes. Oh, wow. I'm going to talk about her next category. Yes. So she has written probably most famously Johnny Tremaine. Charlie said to put Johnny Tremaine on this list. Oh, oh yeah. He's coming. Take it off. <laughs> <laughs> so this is more of a picture book, more uh, fiction. Uh, I'm sorry, nonfiction approach and beautiful illustrations. And, you know, mm-hmm. I see one on here that's on the cover of my Johnny Tremaine, I think. Yeah. Uh, book. But, um, well, and that's I, a lot of words. You you said picture book, but that's clearly not a child's picture book. It's clearly yeah, like you're saying yeah. an upper middle grade, maybe even junior high type picture book. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is illustrated by Lynn Ward. And he's done lots of things, including The Biggest Bear, if you know that one. We like that one. Um, so this is a, I think this is a nice pairing. Um, if you want to get the best of both worlds about Paul Revere's story. Love it. Moving on up to junior high, high school, I put here, y'all, Tom Sawyer. And I kind of think Tom Sawyer can be read by just an incredibly wide grouping of people. And that really just depends on, do you just read the story or do you think about, oh, would you do this today? Does our society do this today? How do we approach a story like this where we don't agree with some of the things, but also there's a lot of great things in here to learn or to see or to remember. And I think high school kids are going to read this with a nostalgia of their mischievous running wild neighborhood fun, maybe 80s summer um, times. And, and, so I, I love this book so much. It is the last book that I read aloud, just Trenton and I. And so mm. it holds a super special place to me. 
But Mark Twain is certainly a great American author. And so then you can certainly, if it's an older person, older grade, I would say go on and just pair that with Huck Finn and see this, see the way they contrast. And if it's a younger person, maybe you just pick one of them. But it is, it is a dear to my heart story that I'm like really excited and nearing in on reading aloud with Nate again. And I hope Trenton goes back and reads it on his own and thinks into those deeper messages there and the conflicting hard spots of it. I know this is a book that a lot of people are kind of, kind of feel like, Oh, should we be reading this anymore? And I, I say, yes, we absolutely should still be reading Mm -hmm. this. This is a snapshot of a time. You yeah. don't have to take all this into your heart and your behavior today, but this is a snapshot of a land you lived in. Yeah. That's beautifully told. Yeah, for sure. So my pick in this category is Johnny Tremaine by Esther Forbes, as yes. has already been mentioned. I read this in seventh grade history class, and it was my favorite book for a while. Like there was a time when I said this was my favorite book I'd ever read. And I just loved it so much. I want to reread it. Um, our friend Marita, it is one of her top five favorite books <laughs> of all time. Yeah. And it is just a wonderful story of a teenage boy around the time of the revolution in Boston. And I was just reading some comments about it last night. And there are some experts who say it's like the best revolutionary war fiction ever written. Wow. I, I read it for the first time just on my own a few years ago. And I loved it so much. Yeah, so, so good. You know, I've never read that book. It is on my list to read. And I'm so I'm curious. You read it in, in junior high. Would that be one I would read aloud tonight sooner than that? Or save for him to read around that time and me just read it on my own? I think you could do it either way. I think you could read it to him in late elementary school or save it for him to read to himself by sixth or seventh grade. Either one. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's on my list though, just for, I think I would enjoy. And how did I never read this kind of a kind yeah, of list? It's amazing. So I don't even have, I, and the reason why is I always see the way people's faces react when they hear the title. Oh yes. And so I'm like, I would have that reaction. <laughs> yes. So my junior high, high school recommendation, I've got two from a series that I'll tell you about. But one is The American Revolution by Bruce Bliven Jr. And also The Story of the 13 Colonies by Clifford Lindsay Alderman. That's a pretty book. I mm-hmm. love I know. I love this. I have the old hardback for this. Now, these are both part of the Landmark series, which I've mentioned before. And these are great books. These were in the golden age of children's literature around the 50s and 60s, and they asked some of the best, most literary authors to write nonfiction. And so these are very well-written books, and they have short chapters, generally speaking. So these are great options. And we just celebrated Memorial Day, and I told my kids to pick a landmark book to read, having to do with one of the wars our nation has fought. And so that they've been reading those and enjoying those. So also related to revolutionary times, they have Ben Franklin of old Philadelphia, Paul Revere and the Minutemen. What a great series. Thomas Jefferson, the father of democracy and Betsy Ross and the flag. And a lot of these authors you would recognize if you know good children's literature 
For example, the Paul Revere one is written by Dorothy Canfield Fisher. Oh, yeah. So, and this series is not just about American history. It's all kinds of history, but it's a really great choice. And this could be a family read aloud, or you could give it to someone that's ready for chapter books and maybe longer books. They can read it on their own. So I've read these myself just to learn some of the history. And I also enjoy them just reading them myself. (laughs) Great. Okay. So moving into our... Adult Stories makes it sound like a title, like a grouping. I'm not meaning it to sound, but she knows what I'm talking about if we're not Fourth elementary. Fourth of July or reading for adults. World of- <laughs> Don't get confused here. Um, I'm going to pull it Amanda and say too many books really quickly, though. So if I just pulled some of my favorite books, I would say Gone with the Wind, Lonesome Dove, the Great Gatsby and a Tree Grows in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Oh, and I looked through list. the different time periods and I realized where I'm missing some stories. And so I want to go in and fill in those because I have like a little, in my mind, here's my favorite snapshot through the times of these periods. And so I, I kind of had an idea of how I would like to fill out my own personal little America list that was a snapshot from each time. And so I've got a good bit of it done, and now I've got some more I need to pick up that I, I kind of know where I'm going to go with them. So A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, we read years ago with Book Club, and it stayed with me so much. And it hit at a time where, you know, we suggest books to people we love all the time, and sometimes it's the right time for them, and sometimes it's not. And that is just fine. And it was the right time for Charlie. And he read it and he also deeply loved it. And we quote that book all the time. Nate gets to have some tea and waste it any old time he wants because of the way (laughs) the girl in the book gets, they were so poor, but she, the coffee was hers to waste. That was hers. Yeah. And that just, it said such big things to me. And, you know, I've never, I've never been poor enough to really think about wasting coffee and how that might matter to our family budget. But that's my mm. quick list that I could probably talk for hours on each book, but I'm not going to. I'll let you go next. <laughs> great, great list. So my book in this category is Abigail Adams by Woody Holton. I read this book earlier this year. It is a newer biography of Abigail Adams written in the past 10 years. And Woody Holton does a really great job talking about her life. Um, But he also sort of uses the lens of asking the question, was she a feminist? Mm. And this is very interesting because she is known as kind of a feminist icon because she wrote this letter to John while they were writing the constitution and they call it the remember the ladies letter. And there's a very famous quote where she says, while you're, while you're writing this document about human rights, remember the ladies. And she reminds him of some of the, the true things about what it was like to be a woman at that time when you had no legal rights as a married woman um, only your husband had legal rights, only your husband could own property, and you know some of those things. So as he goes back and looks at her life, he looks at, you know, from the beginning of her life, how she was raised, what she was known for as she was growing up, what her personality was, and then why she chose John, how they got together. And he really focuses on her life. That's the thing I really loved. Sometimes when it's the wife of a great man, 
a third or a half of the work winds up kind of being about his life and what he was doing. And he really focuses on her life, her lens, her, so much of it is her letters. Um, They kept all of their correspondence. Um, They kind of knew by the end of John's life that he, you know, he was a president and a founding father and that history would want to know. And so they kept all their letters and you really get an idea of what she's thinking and what she's going through and how her some of her perspectives changed and grew. So he talks about whether she was a feminist in regard to what her attitudes about money were. Um, in some ways, the way she handled money and business was her most like progressive thought. Because technically, women weren't allowed to own money or make business transactions. And even though she wasn't legally allowed to do that, she essentially like was always skirting around the system. And she considered that she did own her own property and she even left a will. And her male relatives honored her will, even though legally it had no ban- no bearing because women technically couldn't own property. So that's super interesting. I thought it was super interesting to me. But then they also talk about the ways, as she, especially as she got older, that in some ways she and John kind of became a little bit more conservative and traditional as they got older, and that there were ways about you know their family and their marriage that she wasn't so much a feminist. So I thought he was really fair about it, like in a very fair way, trying to look at her life, understand what it was like for her, and see the ways that were progressive and pushing the envelope for her time and then acknowledging the places where she was more traditional and like that's all okay she was a historical person like this is the life she lived and this is the way her attitudes and actions kind of evolved over time and I came away with a ton of respect for her um, just as a strong woman who balanced so many things I had forgotten that she and John were separated like when John was an ambassador to Europe They were separated for like seven years in a row over the Revolutionary War because he was in Mm -hmm. Europe and it wasn't safe to travel. And I just, that they kept their marriage strong through these letters through seven years of separation was a super amazing thing for me to read about. So anyway, I loved it. If you have read another biography of Abigail Adams that you loved, I would love to hear about it. But I really enjoyed this one. That's really interesting because I think it can be difficult to stay fair. Yeah. Yes. Like this author did, especially the more time when you're that applying, goes by the harder. Yeah. And when you're applying words that can have a very specific meaning to us right now and applying those words to people in the past, I think that that can get muddled really easily and become unfair really easily. Yeah. So that's really interesting to hear that. Now, you don't have to get into this, but I'm just curious, does he define feminism? Because that is such a nebulous term at this point. I don't think he does. That's probably my, even my reading of it, that it's quote through the lens of was she a feminist? But he, I mean, I think he talks about just her being a quote feminist icon some, but he's mostly looking at it through the lens of was she accepting the traditional stances of her time or was she pushing for women's rights and women's freedom? And at what points in her life was she pushing that envelope? And at what points was she more accepting of the mores of the time? Hmm, Which is why I think he kind of stays fair with it because he's willing to see both in her. Hmm. I 
I have heard of that. I think that book and you have only solidified that I should have already read it. It just, that sounds so (laughs) good, but their, their love story is a really sweet one too. I've always, anything I've ever read about it and they've not read a ton, but can you imagine seven years of just writing letters with your husband? And then again, the question that we asked in, um, our Candace Millard book way, way back in the beginning of our book fair podcast of how will we record our time now when we don't, we don't have all those letters that, you know, she knew like, well, I'm going to have to keep these. These are historical documents. That's amazing. Like what? I guess someone's flagging emails. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. Amanda, do you have some? Yes, I do. Grown people reading. (laughs) And again, I think that these books, quite a number of ages could read these. I wanted to go a couple different angles with with this category. But first, I just want to say it's probably the most obvious, but I think the most important, the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) Like if you haven't read that ever or in a while, read it. Yeah. Read it out loud as a family. It's short. It's short. It's like one page if you print it off. Um, And there's some great songs you can memorize the preamble for out there too. So, okay. So first is George Washington's Secret Six, the spy ring that saved the American Revolution. Oh, I've read that. I love that book. It's so good. It's really good. It's by Brian Kilmeade and Dan Yeager. And it just goes. The book goes. It's a good pace. It's kind of a thriller version of nonfiction. Yeah. (laughs) And I've heard from different books and and speakers that the espionage aspect really is what won the war Mm -hmm. behind the scenes. And there's the famous mystery woman. One of his six spies was a woman, 355. Oh, I am just fascinated with this woman. Oh, I wish we knew more about her. Anyway, really, really interesting book. And then my last one is How the States Got Their Shapes by Mark Stein. Nate asks that all the time. Like, how do we get these borders? That's so, I'm going to have to tell him there's a book. There's a book for that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be a good t-shirt. So Amanda... (laughs) I have to admit that that sounds super boring to me. So tell me, <laughs> tell me why it's not boring. Okay. Well, I mean, it might be boring to just read through all of these. It's an interesting boring book. Down. You're before it, bed. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I read it before bed. Yeah. All right. Put all it right. in the right spot. Yeah. <laughs> like read the chapter about your state where you live and read the chapter about where you're from or, you know, good ones to assign your kids. <laughs> For reading, but the, these chapters are not long. They're less than 10 pages each. Okay. Most of them are closer to like maybe seven or eight pages. And it's just really interesting because there's so much history entwined with geography. It's You can't really separate the two. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like a good road trip book. Like it would be great to bring on a road trip. And like, as you're going through the state, read that 10 pages to your kids. That's what I was going to say. I would not read that book all at one time. I would read that book in spurts over a lifetime as it felt appropriate. Like, yes, I'm from here. Or yes, we're going here. Or yeah, I would never want to just read it through. 
Yeah, I haven't read the whole thing. I have it kind of as a fun, interesting, boring resource book uh, (laughs) on my shelf, you know? Because if if you're studying something or learning something's in the news, you know, like, oh, hey, why why is it that way? (laughs) Is this a river, but this isn't a river? Why were these lines drawn? Yeah, some are so straight and some are a drunken path. How did that happen? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. So why Texas and Oklahoma? That part there. That's such a weird. The panhandle. Why did that happen? Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. A different kind of book for talking about the formation of our country. All right. You sold me. I can can, can see where it has value. I got it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This was great. I I know everybody is going to bring so many more books to the comment thread about this and I like that we're putting it out a little before so I'm gonna go through and see what all I can catch up of the ones that you guys mentioned that I haven't read before and because this wasn't one kind of literature that we were bringing in this episode I wanted to close with a poem and Amanda's mentioned a poem already but this poem I think Everybody knows a piece of it, but few people know the whole thing. So instead of telling you the title and then reading the poem, I'm going to read the poem and then tell you the title. And by the end of the poem, you'll know exactly where it is from or why you should know it. So it says, Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land, Here at our sea-wash sunset gate shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name, Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows the worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that Twin Cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp. She cries with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse from your teeming shore. Send me the homeless, tempest-tossed. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. So that is the new Colossus. And of course, the ending is on the Statue of Liberty. And when I taught cycle three... A few years ago, I read this for the first time. How in my whole growing up, loving America, had I not read the whole poem? And for you classical homeschoolers out there, this is a beautiful tie of ancient world. The Colossus was a seven wonder of the ancient world to join the new world. I mean, America was called the new world for a while, even though obviously it had always existed. But into what was going to become. And, you know, we're still, we're still deciding what is America going to become. And we're still deciding what does it mean to welcome. And happy 4th of July season to you. Yay. Happy Independence Day. So tell us in the Facebook group. And if you haven't joined our Facebook group, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Your whole life won't begin until you join this group. <laughs> but let us know in the group what are your recommendations to learn more about 
the story of July 4th and to celebrate the beginning of our country and recommendations for any age, especially biographies. We haven't mentioned many biographies, I think, because there's so many of oh, them. Oh, goodness, so many. If I, I mean, how, if you, how can you start? Because then you have to stop. So <laughs> I have like three or four on my shelf that I have yet to read for George Washington. I think he's my favorite because of his pursuit of virtue and turning down power. What? When has a leader done that? So anyway, there's so many amazing biographies. So let us know all your recommendations down below. What'd you think of ours? Are you going to pick any up? What are you going to read for July 4th? And until next time, I'm Trisha. I'm Amanda. I'm Elizabeth. And happy freedom reading. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, subscribe to Book Fair Podcast. Join our private Facebook group. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram or email us at chat at bookfairpodcast.com. And you can help us continue to grow. Share an episode with a friend, mention us on social media, and leave a review in your podcast app. We'll see you next Tuesday.